Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 2, Seth. Ooh. Did you remember this one? I did not. I did not remember this one whatsoever. But I... The name Seth just never sounded evil to me, so <laughs> it just I, made me giggle. I went to school with a guy named Seth, like like from like grade school, like for a while, and we were like friendly-ish. And according to my mother, uh, when I was very young, I couldn't say the name Seth, so I called him Snuffleupagus. Because <laughs> that was because that was so much easier than <laughs> Seth. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Snuffleupagus doesn't have any ths in it, so I guess no. Okay. Yeah, I think it was like our moms kind of knew each other from stuff, so like you know they'd make us like have playdates and stuff, and like it was fine. He was a cool kid, so yeah. But yeah, that's how you meet half of your childhood friends is that your parents are friends, and they're just like, "Go play," and you're like, "Oh, yep. right." And sometimes you're like, "I don't want to," and somebody you're like, "Okay." Yeah. 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 Did you know anybody named Seth growing up? No, I did not. But um, my husband does like to tell the story that if he wasn't named his name, he would have been named Seth. And his mom oh. didn't do that because he was born in Louisiana and otherwise it would have been Seth. <laughs> <laughs> and she, and no. he's like, he's like, she decided not to because she's like, we would have been, no one in the South would have been able to say it. No. <laughs> No. So this episode originally aired on July 2nd, 1999. It was written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by William Corcoran. And in this episode, when SG-1 hunts for a ghouled lord living on Earth, they discover this powerful alien in the form of a religious leader with a heavily armed cult following. O'Neill faces off with both government agents and the cult in a fiery clash that may destroy them all. (gasps) No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's a very dramatic summary for like what happened. It kind of is. But that's okay. I like it yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um okay. So we open in the gate room and we see Jacob Carter come to visit. Yay! Yay. I always like seeing him. So, first of all, apparently SG-1 killing Hathor is, like, all the rage around the Tokoro water cooler, which I'm actually very happy to hear that because that leads me to believe that Samantha Ferris did actually live and make it back to the Toker base after the oh, events of 301 because we were, like, speculating, did she make it back? I kind of think she had to, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's not why he's here. He's here because he needs our help with a ghoul hunt. <gasps> is there any other kind uh of hunt or of gould or mission of hunting i mean usually they're just I'm, like hunting gould the whole time yeah i mean they're snipe hunting but i don't know no. well, <laughs> i don't think the toker would enjoy that no <laughs> no so um up in the briefing room, Jacob places a piece of like Tokra technology on the table and it projects this like hologram just above it. And it's like in the shape of a pyramid with a bunch of like the Gould or like Egyptian symbols on it. And Daniel is very fascinated by it, as is Sam, but for two completely different reasons. Sam I is... love how they both geek out in this one. It's so funny. It is good. So Sam is like drooling over the technology while Daniel's just like goggling at what is basically like the Egyptian god family tree, or as Jacob says, the Gould family tree. And there's one symbol that's kind of like flashing, and it's the one for Sitesh. And they're like, who's Satesh? And so Daniel's like, he's otherwise known as Satek, Set, Seti, Seth, ancient, ancient Egyptian god of chaos, embodiment of hostility, and outright evil, basically. Uh, and there's an interesting thing where Tilk mentions he's met descendants of Satesh's Jaffa, but apparently none of like people who actually served Satesh directly, which mm. is interesting. Mm-hmm. So to me, that indicates like, Satesh has been, like, dead or MIA for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hammond then asks why we've never heard of him. And Daniel's like, well, we probably barely scratched the surface on the probable thousands of, like, Gould system lords that there are. 
And Jacob actually confirms that there are only a few dozen with the rank of system lord, but several thousand gould in general. So question, do you think mm-hmm. that there's a bunch of gould out there that saw this whole evolving like steal the Egyptian god things and they were like, no, I think, no, that looks lame. I'm going to do something else. (laughs) I'm going to be another god from elsewhere. Well, I mean, we do get you and we do start, we do start to get um, like other cultures. Actually, next week we get Lord you. Oh. Well, your horse is things to come. Spoilers. Um, So... I mean, I, I I don't know why, what would make a ghoul system lord be like, I won't be that one. Like, I don't know, it all just seems very weird that I, it just makes me wonder, like, what sort of, what sort of hierarchy or whatever did they have before that made them go to Egypt and be like, yeah, this looks good. Let's just do this for a while. Ever do this yeah. forever. Like, I don't, <laughs> it just seems very weird to me. Yeah. It is. If if you think about it too hard, it is a like, why? Why this? Yeah. Mm. I mean, like, if we go all the way back to the movie, they're apparently just out there doing their thing. Fine, I guess. Like, I don't know if they were really conquering people. Like, if that was a thing before the movie or was like the Earth mission, the first sort of conquering of people's. Oh, I guess that's true, yeah. And then they were like, hey, we like this. This is fun. Let's do this some more. And the Egyptians were like, are you a god? Why, yes. Yes, I am. Are you so-and-so? Yes. Yes, I am. And they just asked every single person, are you this god? Yes. Sure. (laughs) I'll go. Let's go with that. (laughs) Why not? So apparently the Tok'ra have been trying to take a sort of census, if you will, of all the ghouls out there, like who's where, what the territories are, who serves under whom, etc. But there is one ghoul they've lost track of, and that's Seth. And the Tok'ra records of him end when the Earth Gate was buried in ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt. So they think he might still be here on Earth, <gasps> hiding among us. What? Dun dun dun. Mm. Mm. I must say this is an interesting premise, I think. That he's been hiding the whole time? Yeah. 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 I would have liked to have like expanded what he's been doing the whole time. There's a lot of time jumps, yeah, when Daniel goes into his history later. Yeah. There's no like he did that he did this and then three hundred years later he did this. It's like, okay, well what was he doing in, in that three hundred years? Was he I just know. like was he just like being a dude? I know. Was he like, you know, being the cover model of Harlequin romance novels? We don't know. He looked like so, he could. But so like by the time we catch up with him, he's got like twenty followers. 50. That had to have been not, you know, optimal. So I would have liked if they had traced, like, oh, there was this mysterious cult, blah, 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 you know, like, different times in history when he was mysterious and popped up with cults. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, like, tied him to some weird, mysterious cults that we don't have a lot of information on. Yeah. Possibly. Because, yeah, I'm sure there there were more around than what yeah. we got. Yeah. Ooh, what was the one in the in the the famous one in the nineties where everyone drank the Kool-Aid? Was that Heaven's Gate? Yeah. Yes. The brand brand is that was that the Branch Davidians or is that a different one? Oh, I don't remember. But yeah. Oh, that yeah. might have actually been taking place around the same time. Ooh, maybe it was too soon. Um well this was ninety nine. I think that was more or I think it was like early nineties, but it might yeah, have early been early to mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, um, would you like some information about Seth? Sure. Fun facts. Um, so as Inger said, uh, he was like this sort of chaos god. Um, he's also one of the sky gods. He was lord of the desert, master of storms, and general disorder and warfare. The interesting thing is that if you look at sort of like hieroglyphs and art and statuary of Egyptian gods, most of them had a fairly straightforward physical appearance, like Anubis is a jackal and Ra is a falcon, etc. But the Seth's form seemed to be either like some sort of amalgamation of several different animals or just some animal that just didn't exist. 
Um, it's referred to in all texts um, by Egyptologists as the set animal. And like, if you look it up, like it's got, he's got this like long droopy nose and these weird like ears. Um, they think it could be something from like an aardvark or a wild dog, or even like a camel. Cause it's got that sort of long droopy nose mouth thing, like a donkey, an antelope, like a fennec fox even possibly as inspiration for this thing. It's like, it's weird. Like go Google yeah. like Seth like Egyptian god Satesh, and you'll see it's like, that's ah, a weird look dude. Um, and he also had um, a thin forked tail with like fur tufts on the end of them, and a, but a very slender canine-like body. Um, sometimes he was depicted as just a human body with that weird head on top. Um some early Egyptologists proposed it could have been a stylized representation of a giraffe um, given to the sort of the shape of like the horns kind of represent those like things that are on top of a giraffe's head, possibly. <gasps> that would have been the awesomest Egyptian representation ever. Yeah. Um, however, there is apparently like hieroglyphs and markings that are specifically giraffe like, this is the giraffe animal, like, in mm. Egyptian writings. So, yeah. you know. Um, in the Osiris myth, which is apparently the most important Egyptian myth, uh, Seth is portrayed as the usurper who killed and mutilated, mutilated his own brother, Osiris. Yeah. Um, Osiris's wife, Isis, then reassembled Osiris's corpse and resurrected her de dead husband with the help of the goddess Nephthys. And... <laughs> That resurrection lasted long enough to conceive his son and heir Horus, and Horus then sought revenge upon Seth, and many of the ancient Egyptian myths describe these conflicts between Seth and Horus. Uh, Seth is the son of Geb, the earth, and Nut, the sky. His siblings are Osiris, Isis, and Nephthys, and he married Nephthys and fathered Anubis, and in some accounts he had relationships with foreign goddesses Anat and Astarte, and from these relationships was said to be born the crocodile de deity Maga. Wow, that was a lot. Yeah. He was I, I'm not going to remember guy. any of that in about two minutes. That's okay. Just just remember that Seth looks really funny. Okay. Compared to everybody else. Possibly aardvark giraffe. Possibly. Camel. Dog. Camel. Dog. Donkey. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That is what I'm going to remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we come back from the opening credits, and it turns out that the Chokra want SG-1, or I guess the SGC in general at least, to help track down this one guy amongst the six billion people currently living on Earth. Um, we also learn here that a ghoul can continue to live without a sarcophagus if they change hosts every 400 years or so, which that made me question then, how how does a symbiote age like does the symbiote not age because i would think like the sarcophagus would also sort of regenerate the symbiote itself not just like the human body i would yeah hmm oh that's an interesting point isn't it yeah do symbiotes just like live forever then technically could possibly but it seems like the tokra because if you think about the tokra selmak was dying like selmak the symbiote was dying with the body with the body because the body was too old for her to continue healing. And so the symbiote was dying along with it. So it sounds like if the body is good, the symbiote is just fine. Right. Hmm. So I guess technically a symbiote could live forever. If they can get into enough bodies. Interesting. Yeah. Frightening. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's a lot of people to try and sort through. And, you know, why wouldn't he have tried to get back through the gate and leave? Which is a very good question, General Hammond. So it turns out Seth had a bounty out on him from when he tried to overthrow Ra. What? Yeah. So Daniel, though, seems to think that they can possibly narrow down the search parameters because, Rachel, what do we know about what the ghoul want? Let's see. World peace? No. Um, everyone living together in equality. 
No. Um, oh, mm, they want to share their powers for the good of all beings. No, definitely Dang not. Dang it, that. I have no idea. They want power. Oh, obvious choice. And how do they usually go about getting that power? Asking for it? No. No. Oh. Having people vote? No. 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 I don't. I. I don't know. False religion. Oh man, how did I miss that? I don't know. Oh. So Daniel thinks he might be able to find something if he can dig through like old archaeological and historical records and find references to a person like that that once powered made like false religions. So good for Daniel. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So while Daniel's off doing his research, we get a little walk and talk between Sam and Jacob. And it turns out Garshaw assigned this mission to Jacob. He didn't technically request it, but Selmak did. Because it turns out that Jacob's unresolved issues with his son, Mark, are really starting to annoy Selmak. And she wants Jacob to reconcile with his son. (laughs) Which I was like, you need to deal with your shit. Uh, yeah, I'm like, that's like, what, what kind, what's, what's happening inside the head? Is there like actual conversations, or is it just general like feelings and emotions? Like, like, is is Jacob but having that, internal conversations with Selmak about stuff, or like, how does that work? I don't know, but that's such the glorious women's logic, right? Of like, no, yeah. you need to deal with this. You can't Stop just ignore it. it forever. No, yes, fix it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um. And while Sam apparently hasn't talked to Mark in many years either, she does have a number for him in San Diego, which this is a little change to Sam's sort of family history than we got in season one. But it makes sense why he wasn't at his deathbed. Yeah. So she's like, when do you want to go? I'll go with you. And Jacob's like, I never said I wanted to go. Just Selmak wants me to do it. I'm like, leave me alone. Stop talking. (laughs) Jacob's like, I'm not talking about it. Um, But they finally make their way into Daniel's office where Jack and Tilk are also there waiting. And it turns out that they actually have good news. Yay. Uh, Daniel has managed to trace some form of a cult of Satesh all the way back to 1000 BC. And up on Daniel's screen is like an image of Seth from ancient Egypt. And Sam asks about it. And Daniel does the whole explanation that I kind of went through earlier about, like, the weird animal thing that he is. Um, and Tilk adds that the helmets of Seth's Jaffa were apparently often punchlines for jokes. And Jack's like, well, I got to hear this. So uh, Tilk attempts to translate a Jaffa joke. And it goes like this. Uh, a serpent guard, a horse guard, and a Satesh guard meet on the neutral planet. It is a tense moment. The serpent guard's eyes glow. The horse guard's beak glistens. The, the Satesh guard's nose drips. Ah! And then just roarious laughter from Tilk. Everybody just kind of looks at him like, uh... Is this the first time that we actually hear him laugh a lot, too? Yes. 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 Um, so what, like, what do you think this joke means? I don't get... Well, I mean, if, like, the head is some sort of, like, giraffe, camel, at aardvark thing, obviously it's kind of deformed and weird-looking and not intimidating. Yeah. Is what I thought was where it was going. Okay. So, uh, so I did some Googling, you know, just be like, does, is anybody able to, like, decipher like, this? And, <laughs> I think why it was actually like, supposed to be funny. Um, and so first of all, there's one theory that, so like one of the animals, you know, like is sort of possibly canine like was sort of one of the inspirations for Seth. And apparently when dogs get nervous, their nose drips, like they get a runny nose. Okay. So if, you know, the serpent guard's eyes glow and the horse guard be glistens and then the the Satesh guard is just like, and like scared, the nose Mm. would drip because it's nervous and scared, maybe. But in my Googling, I uh, I came across a website that was just all various Stargate jokes. <laughs> just a collection that, like, of them? That, like, people have made up. Um, oh, okay. Would Would you like some of them now, or would should I, should I save those for, like, the end uh, of the episode? I would like one of them now. Okay. Um, what did the Tok'ra healer say to the Tauri patient who had a broken leg? What? Please open your mouth. 
That was actually funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, anytime you want to joke, let me know. I can go back and pull one out. I feel like I need like a buzzer sound, like joke time. Ma ma ma. Okay. Um. So anyway, so moving on from the joke, uh, what has Daniel found specifically? So after Satesh disappeared from Egypt, a similar god popped up in Greece, Typhon. And they have like similar backstories and stuff. And one of the sort of the final stories about this guy before Typhon then disappeared is that he killed 300 of his followers and then up and vanished. Then there was nothing until England in the early... Well, Daniel says 1800s near Stonehenge, but this is a bit of a goof because we see his computer monitor and the monitor actually says the 18th century, which is not mm-hmm. the 1800s, it's 1700s, and references that, um, so what happened there was near Stonehenge, there was this cult following a guy named Seth, and they were often under attack from local Christians and stuff, and then the followers were all found dead, having slit their own throats, but no sign of Seth. And that mass suicide apparently happened in 1722. So that's not the early 1800s. So whoops there a little bit. Um, So then from there, the record kind of drops off again. So Daniel decided to snoop around the CIA database just in case. And guess who popped up on the ATF website? I was trying to think of something funny. I got nothing. Is it that? It is. There's this cult leader named Seth who happens to be just north of Seattle. Oh. Uh, the in the United is, States, no less. In the United States, no less, yes. Yeah. And the ATF is interested because he's apparently heavily like armed and fortified. And according to a few of the members that managed to escape, he uh, they said that Seth seemed to, to possess magical powers, the ability to heal, and that he can make his eyes glow found him mm-hmm. i think we got him what does atf stand for uh alcohol tobacco and firearms yeah oh that would be the firearms part yes got it firearms part of it mm-hmm. uh so we get a shot then of a huge massive airplane landing like apparently that's that that airplane that that lands is enough to carry like several hundred troops but there's like apparently five people on it <laughs> So, well, you know, you got to make an entrance. I guess so. Um, got to flex a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they're apparently being led to Seth's compound by the local sheriff. And it's, of course, you know, surrounded by fencing, as all cult compounds are. And the sheriff is very glad that SG-1 is there to help because there's not much that he can do. Sadly, like he just doesn't have the manpower to be able to do anything like get in and try and rescue people sadly um and then he gets called to a fire over at earl's over the radio so he like heads off and leaves sg1 to it and uh a guy that was waiting across the road comes over and asks if you know they're there to help and this is jason levinson and his son is inside with Seth. and apparently he had hired a guy a while ago to try and get him out but he was shot so, as Jack says, all lots of armed guards around then. And Jason then looks at Jacob and thinks that Jacob is like him and that Jacob has a son that's in there. And Jacob denies it, obviously, but for some reason, Jason doesn't seem to believe him. Don't know why. It was I, a little like, I don't know. From not remembering how this all plays out at all, I totally thought he was going to end up being like, you know, do something stupid in trying to go inside. Ah, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. I totally thought where his thought that's where his storyline was gonna go. Yeah. Luckily it doesn't. It could have, mm-hmm. but it didn't. So yeah. um but anyway, Jack asks him for like any intel he might have about like how did his guy get in? Did he get any sort of, you know, info about like the layout and what things looked like? And Tilk then alerts Jack to the fact that they're being watched, and Jack's like, Yeah, it's probably the FBI or the ATF as we get a close up shot of a guy not conspicuously at all just staring at them through binoculars up in a cherry picker. It's really what I would be like if I was trying to surveil someone, like not even at all like stealthy. <laughs> yeah. He's just like the van is disguised as like it's either like a telecom or like an electrical company or something and they're at least by a pole, but the dude's just 
staring right at the compound with binoculars. Like, okay. Well, I mean, everybody knows they're there. It's, you know, it's all for show anyway. Um, so Jason has shown them to a spot in the fence that's actually sort of in a slightly wooded area. And Jack apparently takes out some, like, thermite and cuts through, cuts a big hole in the fence. And I thought I saw that they actually did make a square. Yeah. Like he odd since they didn't have to, they were bars. They didn't have to make a whole square. Well, they had to make it big enough for them to fit through. And, you know, Tilk's not a tiny guy. Well, no, but I'm saying all they had to do was make two lines, top of the bar, bottom of the bar. They didn't have to do the sides, but I thought when it all burned, it did kind of look like it burned. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Anyway, so they get the whole cut out of the fence and they head through and make it to sort of like the edge of the woods closest to sort of the, you know, the house that the compound is in. And they take a look through and they see a bunch of guys with some very impressive guns and also a bunch of zats. So. mm. Confirmed. Yeah. So they fall back to the fence and are met by a bunch of guys with guns pointed at them. And Jack's like, are you FBI or ATF? I kind of want to know. And apparently it's the ATF. So damn it, Jack is lost. Mm. And they looked very professional with all of their mustaches. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So back at the ATF camp, special agent Hamner wants to know what the air force is doing here. Classified, obviously. And he keeps addressing Jacob as he seems to think that Jacob is the senior officer, even though nobody's wearing any kind of like identifying patches or, you know, ribbons or anything. But Jack is the one who keeps answering. And Jacob is like totally fine with that. He's like, yeah, he can talk. It's fine. Um, But like Hamner's like obviously not getting anything out of them because they can't tell him anything. Like this is like top level classified above whatever classified clearance you think you have and so since they won't tell him anything and since the ATF didn't ask them to be there they either need to leave or they'll be arrested and Jacob's like that's a secure phone right can I just make can we can we make a phone call first so Jack picks up the phone gee I, I wonder who Jack is calling mm. Mm. I would have liked to have heard that heard the phone call of him calling Hammond like Hammond they won't let us in they won't let it. So everybody's like waiting outside the tents and Daniel cautions against like allowing quote unquote, if you will, the ATF to just sort of like go in guns blazing because Seth will just kill everyone. And which a good point. Um, Jack then asks Jacob if he thinks there might be some kind of, like, brainwashing happening. And this is where we get told about Nishta. According to Jacob, Nishta is a biological compound that, once inhaled, infects all tissue in your body, including your brain. It tends to make your mind extremely pliable. Daniel relates this back to, like, Hathor's power, and Tilk thinks that this is what Apophis would have used on Ryak. Luckily, Nishta does have a weakness, though. Once an infected person is cured of its effects, they can't be reinfected. So cool how you cure people of it. Apparently, it needs an electrical shock. Yeah. Just like a... Yes, just like a zat. Okay, so let's go in with zats. And again, Daniel's like, any kind of frontal assault is just not going to work. It's not going to go well for anybody. And also, as Sam points out, he's got a lot more firepower than they do. So Agreed. Yes. So back in the main ATF tent, Hamner picks up the ringing telephone. And hey, it's the president. Even if I was somebody that works for the government, if I picked up the phone and someone was like, this is the president speaking, I would be like, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That would be weird. (laughs) The like, president would not call here. Like, you'd think it would have been his superior officer that was like, I just got a call from the president. You need to let these people. But, like, yeah. if, if it was somebody saying they were the president, I would have been like, mm, no. No. Um, but it is president of the United States of America. 
And basically, he has ordered Hamner to give SG-1 emergency special agent credentials and to put Jack in charge of the whole operation. So Jack gets called back in, called back in, and he's like, cool, I want a jacket. Double XL if you have it. He didn't have to be a smartass about it, but he was. He this was. particular smartassery, I was like, mm, that was not necessary. Yeah, but he, he does he does kind of pull it back, though, at the end, because, like, Hamner's like, I you can tell he's like, I don't get what's happening, but the president says I have to do this, so I'm going to do it. So Jack does kind of throw him a bone and is like, all right. Seth has some technology that we don't want getting out to the public. Complete and total lie. Although not not entirely untrue because there's the whole that and Nishta and Gould technology in general that is in there. So yeah. that at least seems to sort of pacify Hamner for now. And he takes his men out and the rest of SG-1 are shown back in. They need to get in. How do they do that? And Daniel suggests that if Seth has basically kept the same MO he's had since, you know, Egypt forever, uh, then some of the stuff he's done in the past, he might also be doing here, including things like building escape tunnels into his compound. And Took's like, yes, the ghoul do do that. So they need to search for escape tunnels. And that's a lot of ground to cover with only five people. So they're going to bring Hamner's men back in to help search like the perimeter for any kind of tunnel so traipsing through the woods and hey they find one cool i like to how they're like searching around like it's gonna be so stealthy and hidden behind something with like metal detectors and whatever and all of a sudden tilk's just like hey over there and it's this like pipe grate thing that's yeah. not even covered <laughs> it's just i mean it, i think they went for the sort of hiding in plain sight things it does just look sort of like a storm drain pipe thing yeah. with some branches that may have been knocked down in a recent storm covering it yeah so it's really funny how they were expecting it to be like some super yeah. secret thing it's just like oh uh, found it, it. it found it got it um but then okay cool how do they actually like get in because if they just go in they could immediately be like gunned down or dosed with nishta and, well, Jacob's like, well, the Nishtai won't work on me or Tilk. It's like, okay, but you can't go in anyway because Seth will know that you're, like, a, you have a ghoul in you and you're a Jaffa. So, but then Sam seems to think she has an idea about something. So, back in the tent, apparently Sam's idea is to rewire like the ATF earpieces, which are slightly more incognito than the massive SG-1, like Air Force wired headpieces to be able to give them an electrical shock rather than have to take zats with them to shoot each other if they get dosed or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah. I kind of went with it on that one of like that. There's no way that's going to be a big enough shock, but okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, so they do a little test and so, so in the test, Jack and Jenny will go, Hey, ow. Like it really did shock them. So keep that, keep that in mind for later. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob does, however, warn them that after their dose, they have to actually wait for it to like fully take effect before they get zapped. Otherwise it won't like fully kill the Nishtah and it'll just like take back over. So cool. Yay. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. So Jello. Yeah. So Jack, Sam and Daniel head into the tunnels and Daniel gives them the sort of the rundown on what Seth would typically do with people that are under his control. So the women are used as a harem. Obviously, because that's all women are good for. Mm -hmm. Uh The men outside the compound were basically like a private army. And any men that were inside the compound were made into eunuchs. Why? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I didn't do enough research to see if that was actually true or not. Mm Because I'm like, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole here. You do not. Um, so they then come to a door and they go through and on their side is just like a large empty chamber and they're like okay what now Daniel and he's like I don't know there I mean in Egypt there would have been stairs 
there's no stairs here, so I don't know. But hey, luckily there are transport rings. Surprise! Surprise! Yay, everybody's favorite. And they just so conveniently happen to all cluster together in the middle of the room, right where the transport rings are. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, good time. Yeah. Um, so they then get deposited in, like, the main room of the compound, which honestly just looks like a fairly cozy log cabin. It kind of does. I don't... There's, like, a fire I, in the fireplace. There's, like, wood paneling. It I looks very like, nice. I, I feel like there should have been a fan fiction about how he acquired that house. <laughs> I'm sure there probably is somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and there he is. Man, Seth himself. Which, fun fact... This actor who plays Seth, Rob Murray Duncan, also played Daniel's father in the Gamekeeper episode. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. So if he looks familiar, that's why. He did actually look familiar. But I tell you what, though, I'd still maintain the way they have Seth all decked out. He really just looked like a Harlequin romance cover model. (laughs) I mean, his hair is very nice. It's like, it's just like wavy and shiny and Mm -hmm. the little goatee, very perfectly groomed, the leather jacket. He's, he's, he's got some good style. I got to say the Seth dude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think it's time for a joke. Okay. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. How many Asgard does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? All Asgard ships are currently unavailable, assisting in the effort to change the fuse. <laughs> These are funny. I know. <sighs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so SG-1, of course, gets shoved to their knees, as they always do in these situations, and Seth mm-hmm. asks who they are, and Jack does his usual thing of making a joke and introduces them as the Three Stooges. And Seth, Seth then says, say goodbye to your impure military past. We're always happy to welcome new disciples to the bliss that only Seth can bestow. Crazy. Like, bliss, like just bliss, that word bliss just is like, yeah. oh, oh. Creepy. I don't don't like it. I don't like it. No. No. Um, And he then raises his hand, which he has one of like the, you know, hand device things on it. And this green mist starts emanating from the sort of staff statue things that are like right by his throne. And then SG-1 are unconscious. And out they go. I am really, really surprised that when everybody wakes up in like new clothes their earpieces were not also removed i know did they really not see them because they might be flesh colored but they're still quite big yeah yeah i mean they don't actually have them wearing them the whole time which i think is a goof yeah that it was more of like a costume choice but apparently they are there the whole time yeah which is the other thing whenever people wake up in different clothes after they get like forcibly knocked unconscious i'm always just like somebody had to change their clothes and that's just always creepy like somebody had to take off their clothes and put new clothes on them and it's not like a medical professional it's just some other guy or woman and it's always just like i don't i don't know i never like when that happens it's just more creepy stuff that i don't it is a very weird scenario but also in my mind also hilarious Okay. Because it's just people that are like, God, this prison is so heavy. You just ah, lift their arm. Can you get it? Can you get the shirt? Can you get the shirt over the arm? Why aren't you wearing a button down? Oh my God, what is this? Why is it so tight? Do you think they take scissors? So they can just cut stuff off if they're like, <laughs> don't have to. They like... might. They never got their clothes back, so maybe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Okay. Anyway, so um, Sam is the first to wake up and she is now in the like the white clothing robe thing of the disciples, as they're known. And two other women are there and one of them asks how she's doing. And Sam's like, I feel pretty good. And the one is like strong enough to be in the service of Seth. Apparently, she yes. really should. She should have said, just no, I need <laughs> make it another I five. A, I need another. Just... I need longer. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so back at the ATF base camp, uh, Tilk and Jacob are listening in and Tilk, you know, lets Jacob know that they're awake and Selmak comes out and says that they still need to wait to make sure that the Nishtah has really fully taken hold 
about an hour, which seems like a really long time in yeah. this kind of scenario. I'm glad they gave a time frame, though, because yeah. I did notice they didn't the first time around when yeah. he was explaining it. Yeah. Um, so Jason then sort of peeks into the tent and is like, hey, can I come watch? And Jacob quickly manages to take control back from Selmac and is like, yeah, no, sorry, can't let you do that. He's like, all right, fine. Can I at least get a cup of coffee? So he does that, but manages to spill some on his hand. And he's, you know, apparently not been sleeping well because he hadn't actually talked to his son in a while before he went missing. And Tilk, like, does not understand how Earth parents can just stop talking to their children, apparently. Mm -hmm. And um, Jacob's like, well, you know, things happen and things are complicated. And after Jason leaves... um, Tilk, like, you know, responds back to Jacob that many things are complicated, General Carter. In Jaffa society, loving one's children is not one of them. This might be a nominee for the best, worst teachable moment. Oh, yeah. I want to keep that in mind for the season ending. Mm-hmm. Wrap up. Okay. Um, so back inside the compound, Jack and Daniel are now awake and are brought into the throne room where we see Sam kneeling like at Seth's feet and just like gazing adoringly up at him. And then um, there's also a stash of weapons being cleaned that Seth has obtained in order to defend against any possible incursion. And Jack and Daniel are brought over there to assist in cleaning the weapons. And... Um, what is, oh, I didn't write what Seth says. Hang on. Let me, because like the re- the response is interesting. Um, oh, so they go to like clean the weapons and Seth says, let no other gods draw you away from Seth. To which all the disciples respond, Seth is life. Seth is happiness. Seth is almighty. Oh, that's and, right. And he's like, again. And they say it again. He's like, again. And they say it again. And then Seth's attention is like suddenly on Sam and he's like, you were once blended. And she's like, blended? What does that mean? Because, you know, Nishtar mind control has taken over. Yes. And he's like, bring the others that were brought in with her. So Jack and Daniel are brought back and we get a quick cut back to the tent where Tilk's like, hey, there's a problem. And conveniently, Hamner happens to walk in at that exact moment and seems to intuit that Tilk and Jacob think that Sam and Jack and Daniel have been made. And they're like, we don't know that yet. But Hamner just like storms out. It's like, it's all falling apart. So inside, Seth is interrogating Jack and Daniel about who sent them. He's like, the system lords, is it the Chokra? And Sam is like, I vaguely recall something about the Chokra. And back in the tent, Tilk is like, can we zap them yet? Can we zap them yet? Is and it now? Is it time? Is it time? Can we when do it now? When will that be now? <laughs> Soon. Uh, <laughs> and Samak is like, well, even if it hasn't been, we have to try. So Tilk pushes the button. And for some reason, we only get shots of Jack and Daniel responding to the little electrical charge. Well, that which, was weird, too. Which they just kind of blink, whereas, you know, in the tent earlier, they were like, hey, ow, and like, you know, kind of jerked around a lot. But now they just kind of blink. I assume it was Jello Brain. I suppose it could be. So the spell of the Nishta seems to be broken, but Jack and Daniel continue to play along as if they're still under its power. And Jack says that they were hired by a deprogrammer, but Daniel adds that they are now enjoying the bliss that is Seth. (laughs) Um, Seth does not believe them. And then one of the disciples comes in and informs Seth that the impure forces he warned about are surrounding the compound. And Seth orders SG-1 to be removed and executed. Yeah. Yeah. Dang it. Things are falling apart. Yeah. Uh, so SG-1 are led away by one of the disciples, and once they're sort of away from everybody else, they're able to distract him and, like, get his gun and his zat, and they blast him with the zat, and the Nishta hold is broken on this guy, and he's obviously very confused, but it's okay because SG-1 are there to help. I love that. It's okay. We're here to help. She just says it so, like, amazingly. Like, children's, like every children's cartoon. Yeah. It's okay. We're here to help. Yeah. And I think, but also, why should he believe them? I don't know, but he does. Yeah. Um, 
We then get a quick shot of like a convoy of vehicles pulling up outside the compound, including a tank. And inside, um, Seth and some of the men have made their way to, I guess, some sort of like weapons storage room. And he opens a large box and pulls out a small round device and orders them to be placed around the compound. Back I was with, wondering, hold on, I was wondering yeah. where he would have gotten all of those. That's the other th- a question I have. Like, if yeah. he was trapped out, like, where did all of this ghoul technology come from? Like, all yeah, like, the 500 zats, all those bombs. Where did the ring transporter come from? Like, yeah, oh, where yeah. did he get all this stuff? There's no Naquita on Earth for him to build this stuff. Yeah, yeah and I'm... Where did he get bring it? it? Unless, unless he's just been... I mean, at least with the rings, maybe that's something that he's just had the whole time. I guess guess it depends on, you know, what was in his possession when he was left behind, I guess, if you will. But, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff for somebody who's been dropped on Earth for a very long time. Like hiding. Yeah. 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 so back with SG-1, it turns out the guy that was guarding them that they zatted is Tom Levinson, Jason's son. Yay! Yay. So they ask him where the other Zatkins are, and he opens a weapons locker where they're all stored. So cool, they're now fully armed. Apparently there are several weapons storage rooms in this compound. And Sam then asks if Tom knows how to activate the transport rings, and he's like, I think so. And so Jack orders him to start evacuating as many people as he can. Okay, cool. Got it. Mm-hmm. And so we then kind of sort of bounce back and forth between outside and inside as the evacuation starts. And Hamner's like, it'll be on me if SG-1 get killed. And Jacob's like, no, it'll be on me. And Tilk's like, it'll, it will reside on me as well. Because, you know, that's how Tilk says things. Because Yeah. Um, inside, SG-1 make it back to the main room and... All three of them just fire Zat guns into a crowd of people, freeing them from the Nishta, but also miraculously never hitting a single person twice because they're just I sort noticed of, that too. <laughs> they just sort of firing into a crowd. Um, yeah. So they're all free from the Nishta. So Jack orders Sam to go with them to make sure everybody makes it out. And Outside, Hamner starting to lose patience at, like, not being told what exactly is going on here when the first of the people start to come out of the tunnel. And then he calls for the medical team to start helping, like, get blankets and shoes and, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the evacuation is continuing. And eventually Seth finds Jack and Daniel in the main room and confronts them. And Jack and Daniel manage to zap the people acting as his guards. But Seth has a personal shield, so he is protected. Which, again... In the episode, The Knox, that's the first time we see the personal shield. And according to Tilk, it's like brand new technology because he's never, ever seen it used before. So how did Seth have a personal shield if he didn't know it was a thing? Because it was invented Mm. while he was away. Yes. (laughs) Mm. Um, We're calling him out on this one. Yes. What would have been interesting, actually, is if they gave Seth like a whole bunch of what is considered to be Gould ancient technology, you know, basically like the analog rotary dial oh. dial. <laughs> yeah. Old stuff like that, that you don't been... see anymore. Yeah. That would have been fun. That would have been cool, but no. no. Mm. Um, so, you know, Seth is obviously very upset about what's happening. So he uses the ribbon device to like toss Jack and Daniel out of the way. And then he puts one of those ball devices down on the floor near them and pushes some buttons and lights start flashing on it. And then he removes his cool leather jacket so that he's just got on like the white robes and makes his way to the transport rings with his hood up. Because also like when everybody else is being evacuated, they started putting their hoods up for some reason. I don't know why. Seems weird. Yeah. Um, Daniel looks at the device and goes, bomb. And Jack is like, bomb. So they hoof it out of there. We then get a quick cut outside. And um, Jason's there as everybody's being evacuated out of the tunnel. And finally, his son, his son Tom, comes out. And they look at each other. And then they embrace. And oh, my God, yay. And they're like, oh, I don't even remember what we were fighting about. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Uh, Tilk then runs over to Jacob, who's like still been listening in on what's happening and tells him that, you know, Jack and Daniel have been like incapacitated and they need to go in and they they're going to need Selmak's help. And Hamner's like, who's Selmak? And Jacob's like, long story. So Jack and Daniel then exit the transport rings and dive out of the way just as the bomb goes off apparently above them and collapses the ceiling down, which what what happened to like the guards? That were with Seth. I like, noticed that too. Like what, the four other guys. Yeah. Like what happened to those four guys? Did they just like run out the front door or something? Like I did they know. get taken out with the bomb blast? Like what happened there with those I guys? Don't know. There also ends up being a lot more people in the hallway than we ever saw in the house. Yeah. Unless so I don't know where those people were the whole time. I don't either. Um. So Jack and Daniel start like running through the tunnel, like pulling the hoods off of people trying to find Seth. And we see Jacob and Tilk on the other end. And Jacob orders Tilk to sort of stay right at the sort of exit entrance of the tunnel to make sure Seth doesn't get out. And Sam hears him and comes over and Jacob fills her in on what's going on. And then Jack yells to Sam that Seth is down in this crowd of people somewhere. So she and Jacob start making their way through the crowd and you know, they pass through a bunch of crowd of people and then Jacob turns back because one guy's a little weird and pulls on his hood and oh my god, it's Seth. And Selmak pops up and, you know, yells Satesh at him. And Satesh yells back in ghoul before blasting him with the hand device. And he smacks him to the wall and Sam goes to check on him. And Selmak gives Sam the hand device that he had and tells her, you know, your dad will be fine. You need to go stop Seth. Yeah. So... She tries to wave it off being like, I, I can't use this thing. I can't control it. And Selma's like, you can do it. I believe in you. You got this girl. It's fine. <laughs> you go. You do it. So she puts it on and chases down Seth. And he tries to fire at her. But Sam's a faster draw and blasts him back. And then so he's just like laying on the ground. And she goes to stand over him. And he raises his hand one more time. And she just holds her hand out and gives him like a full blast. And he just like gets shoved like into the into ground the floor yeah into the like dirt floor and like his, he, yeah uh so jack and daniel arrive just in time to see sam standing over his dead body hail dorothy as jack i says. do love that line <laughs> it's kind of cool <laughs> this this is not the end of the episode we get a little scene at the end with sam and jacob walking up to a house and Jacob knocks and the door is opened by a man. And apparently this is Mark, Jacob's son. Mm-hmm. Jacob holds out his arm for a hug, which Mark eventually does give in. And they hug and it's all nice and warm. And then Jacob picks up one of his grandchildren and they all enter the house smiling, happy to be reunited. And the end. Do we, did I miss or do we not get like what? they were fighting about or like where the, what the rift was no we did we don't know why they stopped talking to each other because right. that was a mighty quick reconciliation yeah for, for whatever they were fighting about that caused him yeah. to not talk for like years yeah yeah he was just like oh hug me yes yeah. so yeah um so that's the end Yay. Yay. Um, would you like a couple more jokes? I would like a couple more jokes. There, there's a whole section on just light bulb jokes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, how many ghoul does it take to change the light bulb? How many? Only one, but he'll order his lotar to do it for him. <laughs> okay. How many ghoul does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Two. One to order the Jaffa to change it for them and another to execute the Jaffa after the job's done. Why would they do that? Uh, how many Asgard does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Three. One to beam it out of the socket, another to clone the old bulb, and the third one to beam the new copy into place. That's funny. All right. Uh, how many knocks does it take to change a light bulb? How many? None. They only made it appear to be burnt out. <gasps> I like that one. Uh, I will end with this one. How many replicators does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> How many? 1,234,557. I mean, 558 or uh, 559. Um... 
That was funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, any memos this week? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty awesome to have the president, like, on speed dial. But I don't know how that would be made into a memo. Yeah. I'm trying to think of procedural things that they would have done differently. Yeah. I don't have have a better plan than an ear earbud electrocution <laughs> thing. <laughs> backup plan. Backup. Backup. Again. Oh, always backup. Is, is it just backup again this week? Yeah. What to do if this doesn't work? Oh, yeah. Um, Cause yeah, they didn't even have like another SG team on standby in case anything went wrong. Like they did not. They also didn't investigate. Like, oh, hey, Seth has access to this stuff that's like mind controlling stuff. Maybe what we could do is cut off his supply. Then well, I guess they don't know where it is or where it's coming from, or is he making it inside? Or well, if I don't know if. Uh... If Sam's dad knows all about it, he might have had an idea of how one makes it or stores it or uses it. Yeah. And why is there nothing, like, if Nishta has been around for as long as it have, why has nobody come up with, like, a vaccine for it, if you will, to yeah. prevent the mind control from even happening in the first place? Yeah. It's great that you can cure it, but why can't you stop it? Hmm. Hmm. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, episode title. I think we know why it's called Seth. Um, there are unfortunately no fun foreign language titles this week, so I think apparently in every foreign territory is also just known as Seth. <laughs> that would, although it would have been funny if they just call it like someone else's name. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> so my question for you then on the title is if you if it wasn't called Seth what do you think a good alternate title could have been mm, not Steve okay <laughs> uh, well it could have been something with like mind control yeah or I mean, they all usually relate to, like, inside the service because, you know, it's all sort of, like, SG-1 going undercover here, SG-1 going undercover here, SG going into this deathly situation here, (laughs) and and this particular one was just the cult. Yeah. Cult of personality, they could have called it. Mm, All right. It could have been a thing, maybe. I like that one, yeah. Okay. Um, so final thoughts. Do you like this one? What do you think? I did. I liked it. It was, it was kind of the ones that like, doesn't further the overall plot. It was just kind of off to the left. And I, I like those. Yeah. Just for, you know, fun. Um, but there were some pretty big questions that kind of tainted the episode of like, how has he been around for thousands of years? And he has like 20 followers. I don't understand or how has he been around for thousands of years and not declared himself like the emperor of a country yeah i don't understand how that did not happen true yeah yeah um i the one i think one of the things i do like about this episode is like every member of sg1 has something to do that like relates to like who their character is like Daniel has the Egypt stuff to do. Sam has some smart, like sciencey stuff to do. Okay. Maybe Tilk doesn't. <laughs> uh, well, Tilk gets joke. to hang out with Zelmak. Tilk gets to hang out with Zelmak, which is always cool. Jack, you know, gets to do his Jack leader. I'm in charge stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like that. This is an episode where it's not sort of like just sciencey thing or just, you know, soldier stuff. It's yeah. we get a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's true. You that's know, good. everybody has something to do. So yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. True. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts? Nope. Nope. Think I covered it. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at sg underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's w o o s g rewatch at gmail dot com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for fair game. Bye. Bye.